My friends, before the start of the episode today, I did want to take a quick moment to honor the life and memory of our good friend Jim Kincaid. Jim was on the inaugural episode of the Star Wars EU or E-Review, where we talked about his love of not only the Star Wars franchise, but also a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons as well. His favorite character was Obi-Wan Kenobi. And as Obi-Wan said, he is more powerful now than we can possibly imagine. We love you, Jim. We miss you. May the Force be with you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, back to another um, fun, fantastic, and a little bit interesting episode um, this time around of the Star Wars EU E-Review, the show where we talk about um, all things Star Wars and talk about uh, how we enjoyed it, if we enjoyed it, and where it kind of falls in the weird spectrum of Star Wars timeline stuff. Um, I am one of your hosts for this wonderful show here on Phantom Correspondence. Um, I am Al, also known as Red Lanyard. And with me, as always, is my Star Wars compatriot um, and editor-in-chief of the Phantom Correspondence, um, Jacob Vance Hardesty. Jacob, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, brother. I am ready to talk about this game that I had not – I realized I had not played in 15 years. <laughs> 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 yeah. weird to think about. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, like I, I had to do that to you, Al, because I I know that aged you just as much as it did me. This game are, came out 15 years ago. We are the dust blowing in the wind, my friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gone, gone from this world as quickly uh, as whatever poor stormtrooper found his way into Star Killer's path. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, everyone tonight for the um, for um, the month of March, we are covering Star Wars: The Force Unleashed, uh, the game, not the novelization. Um, even though, if you would like to read the novelization as a companion piece, that's um, that's certainly fine. But um, specific, yeah. <laughs> but um, specifically, we're talking about. Um, Star Wars The Force Unleashed, released um, for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Since then, it has been ported to, like, the Nintendo Switch is how I played it on this time around. Um, it's also on the various PlayStation Plus collections, which is just an algorithm I don't entirely understand, but it's on there. Um, and then it's also on computer as well, even though um, if you try to download it on Steam, it will tell you that you need like um, specific specs on your computer in order to make the game work. So uh, whichever is your flavor of playing a video game, uh, those are your options for this one. But um, yeah, man, Star Wars, The Force Unleashed 1, um, coming out in 2008. Um, so Jacob, let's just jump right into it, man. Tell us, Tell us about what... I mean, what is this game? <laughs> what, is, what does it do? What does it try to tell us? What does it allow us to do? Uh, just kind of tell me about what's going on with The Force Unleashed. 
Absolutely. So I remember this game vividly and particularly the lead up to the game um, because this is so this came out in 2008. That's three years after Revenge of the Sith. That is in a point where there are no more Star Wars films like that. That is the mentality. That's all. Okay? Let me let me take let me take you back to 15 years ago. When we thought Revenge of the Sith was was it, guys. Um, uh, the world had run dry. That and whatever this Clone Wars thing coming out is going to be, you know, who who knows what that's what that's going to do. Um, not well in theaters, but much better on on television. But anyways, um, um, I remember when this was first announced because um, G Four did a massive coverage of this. Um, and I will let you all research D4 on your own. Um, but uh, they did massive coverage on this game. Um, God, we're so old. We <laughs> 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 I bet you so many people out there right now are going like, what's G4? <laughs> there was once a thing called television, children, and it, and it had a video game channel. And then it just became nothing but cops. <laughs> um <laughs> Not even, not even in like a uh, like just the show, like not even in like a weird like sense or anything. Just the show, cops just constantly was airing on it. Anyways, um, <laughs> so G Four covered this this game a lot. Uh, they did a lot of different interviews with Hayden Blackman, who was the lead uh, designer and head writer of this game. Um, if I remember correctly, it might just be called a project lead. I know he was very involved. Um, Yes, I know he was one of the main. Yes, he was the director and the and the the head writer as well. Um, so, Blackman had previously written quite a few different Star Wars comics for the Dark Horse runs, um, and then would later go on to write more comics because he's really more of a comic guy. Um, but with this one, I remember one of the main things he said is he wanted to do a game set in between episodes three and four. And he had this idea where due to the fact that all the Jedi were killed in episode three, that the force was going to be this wild, nearly uncontrollable thing that anyone who could actually use the force were going to be super powerful. So I remember the first trailer, which anyone who was who had was on Star Wars YouTube or watching G4, anything. People were talking about this trailer a lot because all it was was a Star Destroyer that was flying over Coruscant or what appeared to be Coruscant. And then all of a sudden it starts falling and it falls and crashes right in front of this unnamed Sith with a red lightsaber. And let me tell you, there has never been a better teaser trailer to explain what your game is not going to have um in that <laughs> trailer um and yes i know that we'll get we'll get to that trust me we'll get to that um following following that there were action figures of the main characters made there were uh there was a comic book adaptation there was a novelization as al had already said as already said um and even even young children there was a an expansion for the Star Wars miniatures game by Wizards of the Coast, Ooh. completely <laughs> devoted to the Force Unleashed. And let me tell you, if you had Vader's Apprentice redeemed, your Rebel team was unstoppable for about a year. Um, then they did other things to take that out, but that's a whole thing. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was a massive push for the Force Unleashed for this new kind of IP, similar in the way that we talked about. Um, um, unfortunately, Shadows of the Empire. And then the big Clone Wars push in the, in the early 2000s. Um, this was kind of their new their new set piece to focus everything on. So if you were talking about Star Wars during this time for at least new content, Force Unleashed was it. Um, now, whether that's a good or a bad thing is what we're about to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want me to go into the plot, uh, Al? Um, no, I think that's okay for right now. Um, we will get into... Um, what there is of a plot um, here in a second, but, yeah. but, but um, yeah, that it's weird because I feel like you and I um, had very d- different experiences with um, the Force Unleashed um, <laughs> way back in 2008 when this game came out, sure. because uh, way way in the way way back <laughs> in the before times, um, um, because I remember. Um, actually not really hearing about it very much at that time. I wasn't like as like invested in like the video game industry as I would become in a few years. Um, So like me choosing what video games to play um, essentially was just me um, finding a way to go to GameStop. Um, This is when everybody was up for games at GameStop. Uh, Everybody out there. (laughs) This is what a store was for video games. Oh my god, we are old. Um, Yeah. Um, um, I would just walk into GameStop. I would check out the PlayStation 3 section of the store. um, And I would see what game I could afford at that point with what cash I'd made from like um, the odd jobs I was doing at the time. And if something looked cool and I could afford it, I was just like, sweet, let's go. So um, I'd seen Force Unleashed. And um, <laughs> in my mind when I saw it, I was just like, hey, I've enjoyed like other Star Wars games I've played and stuff. Like I loved um, Star Wars Battlefront. I loved uh, the PlayStation 2 adaptation of um, Revenge of the Sith, which is like unironically like a really good character action game. It's weird. Um, it is yeah. weird how good that game is. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. Um, and so I was just like, okay, I'll try this. This looks dope. So I didn't really know anything about it uh, whenever I got it. Um, and here's the thing. Fast forward to today, um, in the last couple of weeks where um, I played on the Force Unleashed again, um, I booted up that game. Um, and here we'll go a little bit into the plot. So the plot begins, um, you play um, as Darth Vader at the beginning of the game, which is a very strong choice in my opinion. Um, you play as Darth Vader, you're extremely overpowered, your health and horse juice, however <laughs> you want to describe what's going on there, unless you use the force <laughs> in this game. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's like completely maxed out. You're super powerful. You're doing great. And I played through it. You go to uh, the planet Kashyyyk. Um, it's very sad because you kill a bunch of Wookiees against um, um, against your will. It's very sad. But um, And I was playing through that, and I was just kind of like, okay, I recall this. Like, all of this feels like something I've done before. And that was the last time I had that thought. 
uh, playing this game because I played the rest of the game and it's wild because like not anything after that point rung any bells for me <laughs> whatsoever. And I know I played this game before because I played um, both one and two very close to each other. And I guess back then I just like zoomed through them too because they're very short, um, which like I don't think is a bad thing. I think that's fine. But um, but yeah, Jacob, when you were playing through it with like the story beats, with like where you went, um, stuff like that. I mean, did you have a pretty good recall of events from this game? Because I did not. I every new quest that happened, I was just kind of like, I have zero memory of ever doing this before. So the so I did. Um, the only. The only one I did not remember well was going back to Kashyyyk. Um, okay. Because, um, like, when we're on Kashyyyk, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, to get too too far ahead because because I'm sure we're we're gonna talk about different thing, different characters and different moments. But um, when we're on Kashyyyk, you fight a you fight a Rancor the first time you're there. If I'm if I'm correctly, and Maris Brood just runs off and i was like i could have sworn i fought her before fighting shock t and completely forgot about the the bail organa is in the pit of the sarlacc uh subplot which (laughs) is a phenomenal sentence for me to say um (laughs) um i could that's the only thing like everything else i i have an odd uh recollection of of everything else that happened in this game, and one of the reasons I know be, because because like 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 I said like you said we had a very different kind of um, establishment of this game because like I knew most of the game going in because between friends playing it and talking and you know watching so much you know it, it's it's kind of like when you when you see too many trailers for a movie uh, before you go into the movie you're like you know most of what's going to happen anyways. Um, but because I remember borrowing this game uh, from, and I know he's going to be listening to this uh, from our from the good friend of the podcast and the fan correspondents, Mister Nathan Lewis. Oh, uh, the friend of the pod. Yes, the friend of the pod. Um, I remember borrowing this from him for the 360, and uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah. So so yes, I did have a pretty good recall. Of of most of the events that happened in this, except for the second Kashyyyk mission, um, had no idea or second or third. I guess technically third, mm. right? Mm. Because mm. because the <laughs> hmm. hmm no <laughs> no you you did you do go to the Kashyyyk, to Kashyyyk three times? I forgot about this. Because oh okay all right the first one is when you're hunting you're hunting down Shock T the second one is when you're freeing the Wookies um, from Almost that Shock T is on Galusha. That's right. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's where yeah. I'm. This up. You, okay. Yeah, you go to Felusha twice. Okay, the second Felusha uh, level. Then that's where I'm screwing this up. Yeah. Okay. Excuse me. The second Felucia uh, level is the one I forgot about. I completely forgot about. Um, 
Because and as I was playing, I was like, I could have sworn Maris Brood was in this for longer. Um <laughs> because like he had an action figure and everything, and everyone was like, How would lightsaber tonfas really work? Like that that was a that was a whole thing for a while. Um, oh dude, like <laughs> you know how much I I adore the idea of like lightsabers being just like jammed in to really stupid and practical stuff. Like, <laughs> like in Star Wars Visions, there's like the 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 lightsaber that's just an umbrella. Yes. And like I saw that, I was just like, oh my god, that's my favorite thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so, so when Maris Brood busted out the the red lightsaber tonfas. I was just like, she is now my favorite character in Star Wars because that's I, I, the yeah. most impractical thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was one thing I knew the moment I saw that. Or I remembering it, I was like, man, I bet Al's going to mention that or he's going he's gonna to have a fun time with that. Mm. Oh, man. But uh, uh, yeah, man, it's really, gosh, um, it's really interesting the things that like, that's stick with you and like the things that don't over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end of this game, I realized that a majority of what I remember about Force Unleashed, I think is actually in Force Unleashed 2. Um, so like, um, so, um, oh gosh, gotcha. yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so I was like that because about halfway like through the game, we get to the point where like, um, you meet up with Kota again, and he sends you to go like talk to Princess Leia. And I was watching all this unfold, and I was just like, "Did I actually play this game? Like, because I don't remember any of this. There's no way this happened." Uh, uh, because and the reason for that, uh, because we'll get into it in full now is uh, the story of this game is absolutely insane. And to the point that, like, when I got done with the game prior to uh, the very ending, because the very ending is left in a very vague choice to the player as to to how the story (laughs) ends. Um, To the point that, like, one of the things I do remember about that game uh, when it came out is people complaining about how weird and unclear that transition is. Yes, uh, that's fair. (laughs) But um, it's to the point where I was almost done with the game and I was watching, like, some other cutscene happen. And I just kind of had the thought of just, like, you know what? This game's really fun, but like this story is kind of stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, this story. I'm gonna say the the story in this is just kind of bad. Um, but like we'll get into it though because um, um, as we've already said, it starts off. You're playing as Darth Vader. Darth Vader is hunting down Jedi. Which like as a heads up, everybody who is doing Star Wars games now, um, just that idea in and of itself would make an incredible game. Just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> just Darth yep. Vader hunting down Jedi. Uh, but you're playing as Darth Vader. You're on Kashyyyk. You're hunting down Jedi. Um, the Jedi in question is a Jedi named Kento, um, which, like, they did not have to make t- two important characters in this game have almost the same name. Um, but that's what they did. So, <laughs> so Darth Vader finds Kento on Kashyyyk. Kento... 
I guess it's unclear how many years have passed since the events of Revenge of the Sith at this point, at the very beginning of the game, because Kento has a son um, named Aelin, who becomes um, Starkiller, who is who you play as throughout the rest of the game. Um, And at this point, like, Aelin is like eight or nine years old. Mm -hmm. So, like... That means to me that either a while has happened, which I don't think is really the intention, or Kento has abandoned the laws of the Jedi like a a while ago because he has had this kid for like almost a decade. And my, I don't think that much time has passed. <laughs> my, my hope. Like there there's a part of me that just wants to say that uh that uh, Starkiller is older than he looks. Because, because, like, I kind of placed the game, Force Unleashed, like, the main game, I would say maybe three years before A New Hope. Two or three years, I would say. Okay, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Just, just looking, looking at the age of Leia, looking at, you know, the, the time period, because, of course, the, you know, I'm... <laughs> By the way, spoiler alert, but I mean, good lord, I mean, if you didn't already know that, going in, I don't know what to do for you at this point, but the entire crux of this game is leading to the creation of the Rebel Alliance, Um, and since that happens more so over a weekend as opposed to the way Andor and Bad Batch are showing us, um, (laughs) my assumption would be that it is closer to like three to, like, Somewhere, somewhere within like five to three years uh, before A New Hope. So there's a part of me that wants to just assume that Starkiller is actually like 16 or 17. And that just the moment the Jedi Purge happened, like Kento was like, well, I'm going to go hook up with someone because if I'm going to die, I mean, there's one thing that's always been denied us. So that's kind of my hope. I don't think that's what you're supposed to initially assume. You see, but... you see, I've got I've got an alternate theory about what's going on there is that <laughs> Kento has had like um a side piece on Kashyyyk for like a <laughs> while. And the reason he survived the purge was because he was like off at Kashyyyk, like uh, mm. having some Having some shore leave, if you will. <laughs> he's, he's dodging Yoda. And so he heard like Obi Wan's audio log, and he was just kind of like, "Whoo, glad I decided to come here." <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like the timeline straight off. The timeline feels very weird. And yeah. it's okay because it's going to continue to feel odd. Um, <laughs> that does not change. So, um, so Darth Vader is just kind of like, um, oh, the Force is very strong with you, son of Kento. I'm not going to ask how he, how you happened. Um, <laughs> and he's just like, I'm going to take you as my apprentice, which I think, I think. I want to think that that's kind of a cool character thing for Vader. I think it, I think it is. I think that's an aspect of the story that I do like. Um, we haven't really seen that happen in 
uh, the new canon yet. We haven't seen him take anybody under his wing. Um, as far as I know, I am behind on like the comics and stuff, so it might have happened. But um, so we haven't really seen that side of Vader. We've seen the grudge and resent uh, resentment. Uh, that's the word that he holds towards Emperor Palpatine, which is what um, his desire to take on an apprentice is coming from, uh, because that's like his whole end game is he's training up someone who's super powerful in the force to team up with him and kill Emperor Palpatine. And that's um, eventually what we see him try to do with Luke Skywalker as well. So that is a part of the story that I think is really cool. Um, Hey, Cub, would you agree or disagree? How do you feel about um, Darth Vader finding an orphan he just made and being like, well, you're going to be mine now? How does that feel as far as a characterization for Vader goes for you? So looking into this game far more than anyone really has and probably should, um, I like that aspect because I like the idea of I like the idea of Vader wanting – this is really the first time, if I remember correctly, that we've really gone into that aspect of Vader resents Palpatine so much that he is working against him pretty much from, like, the first few months after Revenge of the Sith up to Return of the Jedi. Um, the The current comics, there's a lot of – I'm not going to go too much into it, but, like, a lot of the current comics, there are moments where he is working against the Empire in various mm-hmm. ways, yeah. whether it's with Dr. Afra, whether it's with certain things with the Inquisitors, um, or even in his – in the most recent comic storylines where he's working with um, the Handmaidens of Padme Amidala, um, which is a really interesting uh, story arc. Um where basically you have this mentality where Vader is trying to do things against the Emperor, but then the Emperor does something that basically it, it's real. It, it honestly, it's a toxic relationship, is what it is. Like 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 yeah. a, like, a, like a because 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 what it is is Vader does something and tries to leave, and then Palpatine's like, "You're never going to be anything without me. You're never going to be stronger than me. You can never leave me." Mm-hmm. And then Vader kind of becomes. Uh, it's weird to say submissive or like subjective, but that's ultimately what it is because you know you, you don't you don't think of Darth Vader that way, but you do when the Emperor is there, and mm. that that aspect is kind of interesting to me. Um, so them having them working with that here, where this is the first time that we've ever really seen that, um, I like that aspect. I do. Um, it gets thrown out the window very, very quickly. Um, but <laughs> but I like the start of it um, because then then even if you wanted to, you could also go into the because I, I I'm sure someone somewhere has asked the question. He literally just killed a bunch of kids. You know, let's let's say two or let's say two years ago, Max. Um, why is he saving this one? Who uh, were 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 the kids in, in the council chamber not strong enough in the force for him? But for me, what when he's in when he's in the temple and he's doing that, in my opinion, he's still serving Palpatine. Whereas yeah. years later, he's in the mindset of 
I got to work against him at this point, mm-hmm. you know? So I, so I, I don't know. I did, I did kind of like that aspect of he wants to raise up someone to, to rule with him. He wants to find that lost son and, in, in, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, yeah I gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an interesting take on the character. Um, so it kind of sows the seeds for what he attempts. Um, I'm in the original trilogy as well with Luke. So um, I th- thought that that part was kind of cool. Um, then we get into this. <laughs> then we get into the rest of the game story. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's... <laughs> Here we go, guys. <laughs> where Vader is just kind of like, okay, you have to complete your training as a Sith and you have to go and kill these uh, remaining Embers of the Jedi Order, which is a cool, like, idea. Um, again, really cool idea for a game. I think that's um, very, very interesting. It could be very, very fun. He's basically a proto-inquisitor when, when you really get right down to it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what he is. Um, and so our killer is just kind of like, okay, I'll go kill a bunch of Jedi. Um, I... I don't have any memories at all from when I was a child, so sure. Um, (laughs) He seems very willing to do this. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) so, uh, he, he goes out and he is tasked with assassinating a series of Jedi survivors from Order 66. This is, uh, this includes, um, this includes, um, Kato, um, of course, um, where is my, just real quick, one second. Okay, yeah, so, uh, to include, um, um, Ron Kota, um, who is in the game probably more than he should be. Uh, we have we have Ron Kota. Uh, we have Kazdin Paratus, who is not in the game as much as he should be. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what an interesting character who gets like ten seconds of screen time. Um, and Shock T, which feels like a hard sell, but <laughs> that's that's fine, I guess. Um, so, like, uh, but what I mean by that is that, like. Um, Starkiller is tasked with going to assassinate these two Jedi who, as far as I know, are unique to this game, or at least were introduced in this game. Yes. Um, and then Shock T, who has, like, a resume <laughs> of things she has done. <laughs> so, so it was interesting to me that it's just like, okay, you're going to go and kill these randos who nobody has ever heard of. And then you are going to kill this really powerful Jedi Master. Um, and then you do. <laughs> you do, which is crazy. Which begins to kind of peg the question of just like, is Starkiller like too powerful in the Force? And that is a question we are going to get into a lot here soon. But just to cover the rest of the story, though, is that uh, he goes out... He kills Ramkota, or so we think. Uh, he kills Kazdan Paratus, who is like 
the only way I can describe him is he's just like a Jedi who's gone insane and is also like an artificer from Dungeons and Dragons because he's created all of these droids and given himself like an exoskeleton and like he just kind of like cackles in the shadows of this cavern. Um, he's awesome. <laughs> he's so cool. <laughs> And then you kill him very unceremoniously, and it's a shame. Um, God, man, I wish he showed up in other stuff because he. I did too. So, I mean, was he always like that? Is that why he was on <laughs> in such a remote place? That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> like, I kind of hope he was. He didn't get like, um, he didn't get driven into insanity from like the isolation or like the trauma of the purge. He was just kind of always like that. <laughs> and, so, and one day Yoda was just kind of like, um, Kazdan, why don't you go to this this rock just kind of floating through space and, <laughs> and, and create droids to talk to you? And he's just like, okay. <laughs> That's it. Part of me really hopes Kazdan Pratt is, uh, didn't even know about the Jedi Purge. <laughs> it was just it was just hanging out in Rex's prime. It was just kind of like, I sure hope my friends are okay. La da da. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, and then um, Starkiller goes. He he kills Shock T. Um, um, there's then. Uh, then stuff has happened, <laughs> and I don't really know what happened, but um, the empire, uh, the emperor, shows up, and is just like, "Hello, I knew all along," because of course he does. And <laughs> I'm so I'm so tired of old Canon Palpatine. <laughs> he, sh he shows up. <laughs> He's like, "I knew all along, Vader, kill your apprentice." And Vader is just like, "Yes, sir," and just <laughs> and just sends him like out into the vacuum of space, <laughs> which is crazy. Somehow, like he didn't like. I don't know. He he said the vacuum of space was a prank, apparently, because he gets Starkiller's body back and resurrects him. And Starkiller is just like, you try to kill me. And Vader was just like, it's fine. It was a joke. Um, go <laughs> go find allies to help us kill him for Palpatine. Um, also, I'm torturing your pilot for no reason, so go get her. Bye. And then... <laughs> And then leaves. Jacob, am I like, am I turning this into a joke or is this not mostly accurate? Here's the thing. You are not wrong at all. That's okay. So, so <laughs> I forgot how quick that scene was. I, uh, as I'm playing this, I finished the level. I look down at my phone to see that Jenny and Josh have sent me a couple TikToks. And like, I just, I'm checking the chat real quick. I look up. Starkiller is flying through a window. Like, I was like, what just happened? Uh, yeah, no, you are not, you are not uh, turning this into a joke. That is legitimately two, that and one other cut scene that are both very, very important happened very, very quickly. <laughs> it's, it's wild, man. And so we get um, Starkiller. And like, it's crazy because like, like, Starkiller throughout this game. This is only about like 40% of the way through the story, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, throughout this game, 
Starkiller, the person you're playing as, is evil, in my opinion, is evil up to the very end. Like, <laughs> that's, which is so yeah. interesting to me. Like, he's, re- he's really evil up until the split second he decides to help his friends. If he does, uh, <laughs> if he does, he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. If you happen to hit the on the analog stick on your controller the wrong way accidentally, then he doesn't. But, <laughs> um, which is so interesting to me. Because I guess they were trying to do, like, an ironic thing of just being like, oh, it was actually just through hate that spawned the rebellion. But, like, that does not feel good to me. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it doesn't feel good that the rebellion uh, was born of, like, the the after effects of like an angry evil orphan. It doesn't it doesn't feel good to me. Am I am I in the wrong on this? Like how did you feel about just like throughout the story and you see Starkiller, he's doing all these things and he's talking to all these people and he he doesn't have chemistry with anybody. He his sole purpose is still to help Vader, who is still like a super terrorist. And like, and like, there's really not any character development for him until mm. the very end. I mean, like, I'm on my the wrong here, or is there like um, a good angle that this story hits? Like, so that so that was one thing I did not recall that well, um, because for some reason I thought that after Vader tricked him, betrayed him. That was or 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 pulled pulled a hilarious prank on him, if you will. Um, <laughs> that that was it's just a prank, bro. <laughs> just a prank, bro. Um, for some reason, I my fourteen year old mind at the time was like, yeah, that's his, that's his turn. Okay, so now now he's a good guy. Okay, and replaying this, one of the main things I realized is that Coda and Juno Eclipse both simultaneously get too much screen time and not enough screen time because they don't get screen time that matters, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, Because supposedly they are the two that turn Starkiller, and yet there is never a point where I feel like he genuinely has concern for them or care about them until, like you said, until literally the last moment um, where you can choose either way. Which... To be fair, since you are allowed to do a light side and dark side ending, might have been the game's intention. The mm. problem is, is that there are there are ways to do that where there are ways to do that to where you don't feel like you're the character you're playing as is just a complete asshole the entire time. Um, I, I, of course you you gotta you gotta wipe off the uh, the chalkboard on on on. On the uh, Last Jedi talk, Al, but uh, oh, here we but, go. <laughs> but at the end of the Last Jedi, the one of the more intriguing things of that is I don't know where Kyle. I don't know if it's Kylo Ren or Ben Solo that I'm looking at, at the end there. Right. If if Rise of Skywalker started or having no idea what was coming in 2017, the next movie could have started with him as a good guy, could have started with him as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. That is why that that is one of the main reasons that movie works so well. With this, um, like I said, beyond 14-year-old me, I had no idea. 
Um, I had like I, I just I had assumed that he turned because I was like, oh, well, I'm killing stormtroopers now. I'm he's, but then like I started paying attention. And I was like, oh no, I'm killing stormtroopers because Vader said no witnesses. Like that's not really mm-hmm. like that's not really me being a good person. That's that's just that's just me. Uh, that's just me being a good serial killer basically at that point. Yeah. Uh, I just rule. haven't had while I'm doing this. So rule, rule eight of being a Sith is that um, there's it count it counts it counts as stealth if there isn't anybody left alive who saw you. <laughs> That's all that is. Um. So yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, and I think that's that's really replaying this. That's really the main issue of what I came came away from it. You you hit the nail on the head where you're like, it's a really fun game where I don't care about anything that's happening in it. So it, it is this weird contrast, and especially you know both of us having grown up quite a bit in that time, you know where at least and, and I at least for me, like I know I know you and I have discussed story and video games before but for me I, ha- I it helps me to care about the characters that i am seeing on, on the screen and the characters i'm playing as and so so the fact that by the end of it i just i i felt nothing like i, w- I was like these are very bland characters and, and it's not even because it's and it's not even because it's it's old canon so i know it's legends i mean we i mean i i, I care about mara jade yeah i, I care about uh I care about uh, Pelion. I care. I care about Thrawn, like which I know. I know Thrawn's not old canon anymore, but you you get what I'm saying. Like I care about. Yeah. So I've cared about characters that I've read old old canon stuff in, and it just was not here. Um, so yeah. And for the record, um, do not consider that a a blight on Hayden Blackman as a writer because I have read other stuff that he has done, and he is fantastic. Um, if if Josh was on this podcast, and, I, and if, you ever, if you ever listen to this, he's going to acknowledge this. Uh, Josh's favorite Electra run is by Hayden Blackman, um, and Josh loves Electra as a character. Yeah. So so yeah, so no, Hayden Blackman's a great writer. It's just this for some reason this just does not work that well in my opinion. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I, and like also, <laughs> I do want to point out real quick before uh, we move on past the um um kind of the quote-unquote turning point of the game is that like um when the kenobi show was airing i saw a lot of people complain about how like um oh apparently in like the new star wars world it's super easy to like uh come back from injuries that should have killed you and stuff i don't want to hear Starkiller Star gets stabbed through the stomach and thrown into the vacuum of space. Yep. <laughs> and we have no reason to believe an inordinate amount of time has passed before he's back to where he was. <laughs> like it feel it feels like it feels like a matter of of Vader like just just waited until Palpatine left and, 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 then, and then pulled him out of the space somehow and was just like, okay, you're fine. Go go do this impossible task. So like I I don't want to hear that anymore because that was insane. Um, so um so yeah, there are a couple of things that happen in the story I want to highlight just a bit, and then we'll get into the gameplay, and then we'll get into 
um, the classic way we always close these episodes. But um, a couple of things I do want to touch upon, okay? Um, we've already talked about it some. Um, the bond that Starkiller feels to Uno Eclipse um, feels incredibly unearned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I can't come away from this game thinking anything about Juno Eclipse other than that she is a horrible person. Um, <laughs> and the reason why I say that is that there are, there's two possible outcomes, okay? Because she's all, either she's an idiot, which we know she isn't, because she's like incredibly skilled as like a pilot and like has won like battles and conflicts all by herself so like we know that's not the case so like juno has to know what star killer is doing there's no like there's no way she doesn't right like <laughs> she has to know what star killer is doing especially after he gets betrayed quote unquote by Darth Vader and Darth Vader is just kind of like go torture her for no reason and <laughs> I don't know why just do it uh, and and Star Killer like saves her and then he's just like okay I'll continue to fly my ship I'm I'm gonna go talk to somebody over a transmission that I don't want you to see for half an hour if you hear Heavy mechanical breathing. Just ignore it. And then he <laughs> goes and talks to Darth Vader. Like, Juno has to know what's going on. And the entire time, she's just kind of like, oh, well. <laughs> Guess I'll fly this ugly ship with <laughs> with my psychopathic boss who's <laughs> killing people just without a second thought to start a civil war where millions of people will die. Uh, like, because from her perspective, she has no idea that like the rebellion is going to become the thing that it becomes. Mm-hmm. So like, so it's insane because there's the climactic scene where Juno is just kind of like, wait, star killer. And like, pulls him into a kiss and it's like, <laughs> and it's supposed to be just like, Oh, how sweet, how passionate. And it's just like, it looks like the couple from House of a Thousand Corpses is like the vibe I'm getting from this scene. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because Starkiller has killed planets worth of people and Juno is totally okay with it. That is the only thing I'm getting from, the, <laughs> from this scene. Like, I don't know, man. How do you feel about Eclipse? How do you feel about that girl? Is she, so, is she, so super, I- is she super cool? Am I wrong? No, no, I, I, I did some research on her. Um, so the initial plan on literal, with the exception of her being the pilot, because originally Proxy was going to be the pilot, and everything that happens with Juno Eclipse story-wise was originally going to be Princess Leia. Oh, boy. And I mean everything, <laughs> okay? And oh, boy. Apparently, which... Like, no one else could ever say anything against him for the prequels again, in my opinion, because George Lucas said, we're not doing that. Um, which the, is, the one time George yes, Lucas has stepped into legend stuff. One, like, because here, here's the thing, guys. Like, you have to, 
Shadows of the Empire happened. Like, go go back and listen to that episode and go through all that stuff and then realize George Lucas signed off on that. Lucas signed off on so much of the old canon, but even he heard about this and was like, no, we're, we're, we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's because, like, as this was happening, he's also starting to work with Dave Filoni. And I'm, if, if he was like, wait, someone actually cares about the about what's happening? <laughs> and once again, love Hayden Blackman. I don't know if it was his decision. I don't know whose decision it was. All I know is that there were original plans that every story beat with Juno Eclipse was originally going to be Princess Leia. And that just does not work. Um, yeah, that just, yeah. Anyways, um... No, Juno Eclipse is a character, and and that's, honestly, once you hear that, you kind of understand everything you need to know about Juno Eclipse, is that she is just a placeholder for someone else, you know, because you can have those moments, because if we were having those moments of Princess Leia, obviously there would be, there would be the initial ick, but at the same time, we would at least be like, oh, well, you know, I feel something for this character because I know who this character is, but then you also have the, wait a second... Does he not understand what's going on? Because, <laughs> because then you have a whole new set of problems. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, Juno, I just he is such a the way women are handled in this game, which I know <laughs> two I, I know two guys talking about Star Wars is the last place you want to hear this discussion. But the way women are handled in this in this game, because we haven't even talked about Shock T or Maris Brood yet, particularly their outfits, and <laughs> the that aspect of it shows you exactly where exactly why the the Star Wars fandom needed to change and and Star Wars as a whole needed to change and we needed to look to do something better um because he is literally a very nothing character that is a pretty blonde girl who who can drive the ship and leaves her jacket open and allows us to um to put ourselves into Star Killers into Star Killer shoes and say, that's the girl we want, guys, before we go off and make and and choose which way to move the uh the analog stick to just see <laughs> good or bad. That's what we want. And we have come pretty damn far since then, which is wonderful in both video games in general and in Star Wars. Um but yeah and it it it, it, it is a genuine shame. Um and it's and, and for the record, once again, there are old canon characters um, who are much better and much more uh, thought out mm-hmm. and are allowed to actually have story storylines and uh, be actual humans. Once again, love me some Mara Jade. Um, but Juno Eclipse is not is not Mara Jade, and she is not uh, she's not really much of anything in this. Um, so, yeah, no, I was not a fan. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Like, throughout the game, uh, she just kind of struck me as, like, the... As, like, the type of women, like, in real life, who, like, are, for some reason, like, romantically enthralled with hero killers. Like, that's who Juno Eclipse, like, reminded me Mm. of the entire game. 
of just being like, ah, he's so powerful. He just he kills without a second thought. Uh, I watched <laughs> I watched him execute a stormtrooper until until their armor was black, and then he stabbed them just for good measure. He's he's so dreamy, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's the vibes she was giving you throughout throughout the game. It's crazy. Um, and then at the end of the game, we're have to just assume that, like, oh, I guess she's a part of the rebellion now. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so which, wild. It's, which at that point, it's, it's like you have done nothing to aid the rebellion. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's if anything, if you talk about the things, if you talk about the last like two weeks of your life, like, they're all gonna be like, no, we don't want you with us. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I can only imagine that they are, like, having um, the meeting with each other about the birth of the rebellion at the end of the game. <laughs> and Juno walks up to the table, and, like, everybody else just, like, takes, like, a couple steps to the left away from her. <laughs> away from her. <laughs> I mean, here, here's the thing. We keep, you know... Rogue One and Andor goes to great leagues to do the whole, you know, Cassian might be a good man, but you know he's done he's done some some shady stuff in the past. He's got nothing on Juno Eclipse. Like, <laughs> I mean, when, when it comes to the start of the rebellion, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then, um, um, and then real quick, we gotta talk about, um the most incredible character in Star Wars I have ever seen. Um, like, if, like, there are talks about how, like, how Palpatine is, like, so powerful that, like, he's almost, he's almost, like, omniscient. He just, like, knows everything, and he, like, always anticipates things that are going to happen and things like that. Um, Palpatine has a thing at all on the insane knowledge that the droid proxy has <laughs> because proxy the scene the last scene with proxy was the only thing in this whole game <laughs> that made me audibly react to what was happening on screen because they're they're at Corellia. Um, Vader and the Emperor show up. Uh, Vader begins to like fight with Star Killer. He's about to kill Star Killer. And then who jumps to his aid but Obi-Wan Kenobi? And I, and I was just like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> And then um, and Vader just, like, he parries him and, like, stabs him and stuff like that. And then, like, the the um, visage of Obi-Wan Kenobi begins to, like, um, glitch out and fade. And you see that actually it's Proxy. And Proxy has sacrificed himself to save Starkiller. And at first I was just like, oh, okay. And then immediately after I was just like, wait, no, no, what? <laughs> Because, because Jacob, think about the things that scene wants us to just accept. Okay, <laughs> it wants us to accept that Proxy knew who Obi Wan Kenobi was. <laughs> There's an implication that Proxy knows who Darth Vader is. Exactly. <laughs> There's an implication that Proxy knows how to use a lightsaber. 
there's an implication that Proxy knows the style of lightsaber that Obi-Wan Kenobi would use. <laughs> there, that scene asks us to accept so much that is mind-boggling. Like, who who or what is Proxy that he knows this that he knows the dark secrets of Darth Vader? I mean like, this this is also after he uh he became Darth Maul um the last uh, on on the last time you're on Raxus Prime and Proxy attacks Starkiller because yeah. so so Proxy's entire thing is his 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 ultimate programming is to kill Starkiller. Um that does not come up as often as you would think. It really does not. <laughs> um, which makes that scene really weird. Um, you know, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that's his primary that's his primary goal. Then everything on Rax's Prime happens and somehow it knocks out his primary programming and then he sacrifices himself to uh, to save Starkiller by attacking Vader as Obi-Wan Kenobi, because once again, you're right. Like he knows, he knows who Darth Maul is. My, here's the thing in my head canon, he knows so much. He knows what the song Duel of the Fates is because Duel of the Fates starts playing as soon as, uh, as, uh, he becomes Darth Maul. And my assumption is that's not the game. That's his proxy. Just being like, Hey, I got a Bluetooth speaker in here as well. You know, I was, I was, let me start bumping this real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, Proxy's a very odd character because because of all the characters who get too much screen time in this and or not enough, Proxy is one that I have so many questions about, but for some reason, just, I do not get enough. Um, yeah. It's, uh, God, it's so wild. Like, and like, Invader, like, handles that, like, very easily. And, like, I know that, like, obviously... Vader knows that if it had actually been Obi-Wan, he would have, like, inst him and stuff. So, like, Vader almost immediately knew that, like, oh, no, this is a trick. This isn't Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, but, like, imagine the first, like, knee-jerk thought that Darth Vader has, where he just turns and he's just like, what the... What? <laughs> How? Where? Why? Why? <laughs> Also, where did Proxy get a lightsaber? Um, I w I would assume he just I would assume he has like something like, huh? Because it was a real lightsaber. Like Vader had to like <laughs> had to parry it. So, like it was yeah. a real lightsaber clash that happened. Well, I I see my until until this point, my assumption was that he basically had it like. I, I had assumed he had something similar, like constantly on him that he was able to use as like a weapon, the same way that he. Because I mean, he's like I said, when he becomes Darth Maul, he becomes Vader at one point uh, during the Raxus Prime fight. He becomes um, Rom Coda at one point, sure, um, and and Shock T, which apparently he knows all of them, um, yeah. but like when he's doing all that he has their lightsabers so my or he has something that looks like their lightsabers so my assumption was he had something like that but it is it is weird it is weird he knows exactly who to choose to take on Darth Vader <laughs> it's um it's pretty spooky man it is it's, oh man it's so weird um yeah man i wish we had time to 
talk about like a lot of the other characters in this game because the, like there's a lot of interesting ones. Um, and that's one thing about this game I really, really enjoyed. I loved how frequently it threw the boss fights at you. I thought that yeah. was really cool. Um, but um, but the characters who were some of the boss fights, um, like there's just a lot there that you're just kind of like, oh, it'd be kind of interesting to know a bit more about who this guy was. Um, uh, the guy who you fight the first time you go to Coruscant, um, who just has like, he has a red lightsaber and he has a giant shield that I guess is made of like Escar because it can block a lightsaber. Um, he's just there. He's just hanging out. He doesn't have anything to tell him. He's just he's just chilling in the temple on Coruscant. <laughs> when do you go to Coruscant? That's like uh, the temple you go to, right? The temple that you go to like three times during the game. Isn't that on Coruscant? Uh, Am I crazy? Do you have to do a trial with that? Hold up, everybody. We're because up, everyone. So what I what I'm seeing on so there's a Coruscant DLC where you go to the Jedi Temple. The uh, where do you go um, and do all of the trials? That's the core. That's the Coruscant DLC. Because no, then you like some, in in the game. You know the boss fight I'm talking about? No. Like, no? <laughs> Are you serious right now? All right, so, okay. Did I, <laughs> did I accidentally play the DLC? I think what you hap- did. So, what happened? <laughs> so, for everyone at home, so Al played the Nintendo Switch version, which is, the, which is a port of the Nintendo Wii version. Um, I played... The PlayStation Plus version, which is the Ultimate Sith Edition, which is a port of the P of the PlayStation Three version, um, and so what what it says here on Wikipedia because I did not play any of the DLC. Uh, I had the option to, but you have to. I didn't want to replay the final. I was like, we'll just talk about the main game. Um, but it says the Coruscant DLC depicts Star Killer at some point before traveling to Kashyyyk. Deciding to visit the abandoned Jedi Temple to learn more about his identity and connection to the Force. After fighting his way past the Imperial Security Forces, he fa- he reaches the old Council Chambers where he meets Kento Merrick's spirit, who tells him he needs to pass three Jedi trials. Upon doing so, Starkiller is faced with a mysterious Sith warrior, revealed to be a dark reflection of himself created by his own fear. Following his defeat, Starkiller finds a holocron left by Merrick, who reveals himself as his father and implores him to return to the light side. Starkiller then returns to the Rogue Shadow to resume his current mission. Yeah, that's what I did. I guess I did play through the DLC. So you played part of the DLC, okay. (laughs) But you didn't play the Tatooine and Hoth parts. No, no, I did not. Okay, all right. So What a confusing way to do that. Wow. Is it weird? See, because what's the course? Is everyone enjoying this? (laughs) Is everyone enjoying this? (laughs) It'll peek behind the curtain of what happens when, like, our experiences aren't completely coordinated. (laughs) (laughs) That is crazy. Okay, cool. So I had never heard about the Coruscant DLC. I had heard about the Tatooine and Hoth ones because those have been YouTube videos and and TikToks for ages. Uh, You know, because that's the one where if you choose the Sith path, you get to go and kill Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then Luke. 
Um, and then in two, you get to do it to Han and Leia as well. So because I, I, I don't people are weird. I don't know that that never interested me. Yeah. I don't know why. But Damn. anyways, um, you have completely blown my mind right now. I I'm, must I okay. must have sounded like a crazy person when I started talking about this mysterious Sith, Sith warrior on Coruscant that you find. Well, in fairness, uh, did you know it was revealed to be a dark reflection of himself created by his own fear? Well, that's the thing. I didn't get that at all. <laughs> he has a name. Why would he be a reflect? He, he has his own name. That doesn't make any sense. I don't I don't know what to tell you, man. Um, <laughs> so crazy. I'm, I'm telling yeah. you. I'm telling you what Wikipedia see, I'd never heard about the course on DLC. I, I this is my first time knowing about it. So I'm telling you what it says to me. Which, for the record, in my opinion, Rom Coda should have died like the first time you see him, and then his father, like the spirit of his father, is the one who should be imploring him to go back to the light side, which is what this DLC does, apparently. But to me, that makes more sense. Because at that point, it's the inverse of Luke and Vader. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. But that's, that works more for me from a, from a redemptive, from, from like a Star Wars story beat. But that's, once again, that's just me. I was 14 when this game came out. So I had, I, I was not able, mm-hmm. I probably, would, I probably would have said the same thing. I would have been like, dude, let's, let, let's go fight Shock T in front of a Sarlacc. You know, like I probably, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that sounds great. Um, oh, man. Before we do move on, uh, just real quick. Yes, please. The three, the three Jedi that you hunt down, the first four missions of this game, in my opinion, is the best part of the game. Which it's is very kind, cool. Yeah. Which is kind of sad <laughs> because <laughs> that takes maybe two, like two hours if you're being slow, which. The only reason this game took me so long is because for some reason I was I went ooh shiny every time I saw a holocron. Oh yeah, and I, and I, I was like, I need every single one. Um, hey, hey, dude, the holocrons give you a thousand experience points. That's they do. Yeah, that's they, worth it. Yeah, or or new lightsaber color. So or new lightsaber color. There you go. Um, so so yeah, so I um, so I so I did that. So that's why these these took me a bit longer than the normal. Um. But no, the first three Jedi that you fight, because Rom Coda, when you first hear about him, is interesting because the reason he survived the Clone Wars is because he uh, did not trust the clones and instead used his own militia. That sounds really interesting, but it's not brought up ever again. Um, (laughs) You know, you would think it would be, especially because at this point... um, there hasn't been a there hasn't been the bad back. There hasn't been um Force Awakens. We don't at this point a lot of people were still thinking all the stormtroopers are still clones. Like mm-hmm. it was a thing. Um you know, so yeah. I was so I was intrigued, you know, to I don't know. I want to know more about him, but when I know more when I learn more about him, I'm just like, I just don't really care about this guy. Um <laughs> Cast Imperatus. You were absolutely correct in saying that he's one of the most interesting characters in the entire game because despite my hatred for the Raxus Prime levels, which I will we will gladly get to in the gameplay section, um Kazan Paratus is what is called an Alina, who is a very tiny which is a very tiny little alien. Um he uses a 
it's not really like a it's like a lightsaber pike which is mm-hmm. really cool because it's really different um and uh and yes as al said he has like a little like exoskeleton he he kind of looks like invader zim like whenever he has those little like little legs behind him he does which, <laughs> which is awesome um and he's and he apparently is so powerful in the force that he is like creating these droids from like miles away from the look of it um and is able to like control them through the force to attack star killer and the invading imperials and the raiders and whatever else you have to deal with in this game um <laughs> and uh yeah it's just it's awesome but it, but then that gets really sad because once you face him you face him in probably the most interesting in my opinion, probably the most interesting, like, boss area, because what has happened is that Kazan Paradis has lost his mind after years of isolation, or I, I don't know if it's because he escaped the purge, like Al said, I don't know if he was, like, away from the temple, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, or but, he was always like that. That's also he's possible. always been like that. <laughs> but bottom line, you're, 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 in my opinion, you're led to believe that after the purge, he left. And he has created basically the Jedi Council Chamber, including little chairs with all of these, like, basically, like, trash art versions of the different Jedi, which is really sad when you actually start think about it it's very sad. It It begins, uh, (laughs) that boss fight, the boss fight begins to feel like you're putting down a like a mentally ill person <laughs> because because he, because he even keeps saying he's like masters i'll protect you this time which is just yeah like i mean like it's rough man um but once again that is very that is a that is an aspect that's never really been brought up again um and it might be because it's too sad which i get um it's an aspect that no one ever really talked about up to that point. Um, I was, I, I Kazan Paradis was very interesting to me. And so I really mm-hmm. liked him as a character. Um, although it was very sad. Shock T goes to Felucia. Um, and finds this, this young Zabrak girl who's apparently strong in the force. And then shock T apparently starts to lead a Felucian tribe. And teaching them how to use the force because apparently all the Felucians are strong in the force, which okay, whatever. I'm I'm down. Uh, <laughs> sure. You know, sure. Uh, or they use like their own like weird magic or whatever. And um, you know, I I thought that was really interesting. It's, it's like, pretty cool, dude. She like how she tames a rancor. That's pretty sick. Her. That's so cool. <laughs> like all three, all three of these characters have really interesting backstories that just get dropped completely. Um, and yeah, also because people have pointed this out, this is the f- third of four times that you will watch shock T die in various ways. <laughs> uh, I feel so bad. I know can- canonically it is the, it's whatever happens to her during Yoda's vision um, during the lost episodes of the clone during season six, of the clone wars, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Before uh, Darth Bane shows up. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's before Darth Bane shows up. 
I, it's true. Good I, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, man. Darth Bane voiced by Mark Hamill. Yeah, I'm, I'm not upset with you. Well, here's the thing. If you guys like hearing that name, boy, I am excited for your summer. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but no, I, I just, I wanted to say that because all three of those characters I think are really, really interesting. Maris Brood kind of is kind of a side note, um, which I actually felt bad for her because by the time I took her on, I had kind of min maxed Starkiller so much that. Because you can tease a lot of these boss fights. Once once you figure out what is going to knock them on the ground, it's pretty much over. Yeah. Um, the only ones you can't do that with is the Emperor and the Darth Vader fight. Actually, no, you can do it with the Darth Vader fight. The yeah, Emperor, you, yeah, you can. <laughs> um, which, which I love that the Emperor is the only one you can't do that with. But um, <laughs> gotta I gotta know Palpatine, man. <laughs> if he ever goes off his feet, he'll just like... But just like reorient his body and hit you with the stone cold stunner that he does in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> but well, I've got things to say about the Palpatine. I've got things to say about Rax's Prime and the Palpatine fight, though. Both of those things, I have things to talk about. So, but we'll we'll, we'll keep going. I, I'm I'm sorry, Al. I didn't mean to go off. I just wanted to. Those three, I think those three Jedi are really interesting, and they were all over the um, the promotional material and everything for this. All three of them were in Star Wars miniatures. Um, which made me think that all three of them are going to have bigger roles. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Um, yeah, let's get into the gameplay real quick because like, uh, there isn't a whole lot else to say about the story. The story's bad. Yeah, I don't know what to tell y'all. It's not great. The sto- <laughs> story's bad. I'm sorry. Um, um, with like the gameplay, so I played through this, and like I really don't have a whole lot to say about the gameplay. It feels like a character action game from two thousand eight. I mean, it feels very true to what it is. Yeah. Um. So like, I like that it does. I kind of compare it to um, and I fall in order. Not so much in the mechanics, but as far as the intention behind the mechanics, because Jedi Fallen Order, you have this combat that feels um, a lot more challenging, and, like, it kind of reflects the fact that, like, Cal is, like, struggling to to reestablish his connection with the Force, Mm -hmm. and so, like, the game um, feels like a progressive growth as you go on, and, like, you kind of have to fine-tune and earn a good kind of flow of combat that feels very strong because that's kind of what the narrative is. Um, and then in this game, I mean, you are our killer. So like from, from day one, from the first time you are playing as star killer, you are incredibly more powerful than anything else you're fighting. Yeah. Um, like <clears throat> um, I talked about uh, when we covered uh and I fall in order. I talked about how the best part of the game is after you um, unlock um, the um, the dual lightsabers, and it's just a ongoing slaughter of stormtroopers who show up. And I talked about how that's like the best part of the game. And I wish mm-hmm. that <laughs> that had characterized a lot more of what we got. 
Um, yeah, that game is Force Unleashed. That's what <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> it's just wave after wave after wave of enemies that you can uh, um, kill and um, and fight in various ways. Uh, I don't. Again, I don't have a whole lot to say about the gameplay. It felt really good. Um, I died a couple times just because, like, um, I was just like overwhelmed and like I didn't prioritize my targets very well the first time through. Mm. Um, but um, um, yeah, and it. I do like its approach to the question of. How are people in this game going to be able to use their horse powers? Um, um, because in Jedi Fallen Order, it's very much a case of like you can use them a couple times and then you have to wait for them to recharge and you can do like impressive things in combat to help it recharge faster. And then in, in Force Unleashed, it's very much just like your body is overflowing with. <laughs> horse juice and you can use as much of it as you want to and you'll be right back to a full a full bar of juice in like half a second and you'll be fine <laughs> so that kind of reflects like on um, the power balance there as well but um the one critique i do have for it is that um the boss fights almost feel too easy and that, like, if you can get down the timing of um, the f horse dash while the boss is in a combo, then, like, uh, that boss fight's over, essentially. It's, like, it's done. Um, but, um, yeah, how did you feel about um, the gameplay and the combat there? Um, so, first and foremost, I don't, I don't know how I feel about the... I don't really know how I feel about the term force use, but, you know, we're, we're rolling with it. Um, I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> not, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I, I will admit I did. I actually like that because, <clears throat> because you're right. In both Fallen Order and Force Unleashed, um, overall, there are points where I disagree with things that they do gameplay-wise. Um, but overall, they understood what their mission was with what they're trying to tell with this story through the gameplay. I, .e., like you said, Cal trying to, you know, regain his force connection and then Starkiller just being just raw. Okay. Raw. Uh, and even, cause even with the power ups, like, cause like that's, that was one of the first, the first thing I, I leveled up. Cause I, I, I remember that from the first time I played it, I was like the force powers are, are the, the lightsaber, nothing wrong with the lightsaber. The lightsaber's fun, but the force powers are why you play this game. Um, and so the first thing I did was was level up how quickly you regain, uh, you know what I'll say, it, your force juice. Sure. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> sure, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, I, like that's there are moments in this game where it's where it understands exactly what it's supposed to be of like just the, the crazy, you know, go out, cause mayhem as a, as a Sith and just destroy everything in sight and have a blast doing it. That's when the game is at its best, in my opinion. Um, the problem is, is whenever it forgets that that's what it's trying to do. Um, because they didn't understand how to, at least in my opinion, they don't understand how to make things difficult without making them unfair, which once again, 
it's a 2008 character action game, like you said. So, I mean, I'm not trying to, I, I don't, I don't want to harp on that too much because, you know, it's, it's older and I, and I get it. We, we were still learning about how to do certain things like that. Um, but I mean, there, nothing annoyed me more than when a dark trooper would command grab me and just hurl <laughs> my ass to the ground. There was nothing because, because you're, you're rolling through, you know, and, and you, and of course it always happens as you're taking on someone else. So like someone who has like a shield or someone who, one of the invisible guys, so you're trying to find them or something like that. And then all of a sudden this jackass just comes up and just gra- and just gives you a big old bear hug and then just throws you down like, like Kevin Nash and WCW or some craziness. And I just, yeah, that was the, the that was really the only time that I was just like, God, why are we doing this? Um, at least through the through like the main game, um, mm. but most of, most of the time the fights were were genuinely a lot of fun. Um, I really liked fighting ATSTs and I really liked fighting um, uh, Rancors because I thought that both of them, um, once like you said, both of them, if you know how to do the dash correctly, both of those both of those enemy types they do have like some fun mechanics you can kind of mess around with, different ways to take them out. Um, or if you've leveled up enough, just force lightning the absolute hell out of both of them. Um, because force lightning is the, it is broken beyond all belief in this game. Um, unless you're a trooper, because then force grip is what is broken in this game. Cause you will just hurl them miles away. Um, which is never not fun. I, I don't care what anybody says. Like the various parts of the gameplay, like, I mean, of course you, you know, you have these moments, especially throughout the, you know, the early parts of the game where you're, you're basically meant to feel unstoppable. Okay. You're, you're, you're meant to feel unleashed, if you will. Ooh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Insightful <laughs> choice of words. Isn't it? <laughs> it's almost like I know the title of the game. Um, Anyways, you know, you have those moments, and the problem is, is that, in my opinion, the last two levels, which is really when you should be, you know, at your most powered up, you should be at the moment where you feel the strongest just in general, um, just as you're playing, but unfortunately, there are two things that ruin that. Um, and the first one happens on Rax's Prime, and you remember earlier in the podcast where I talked about how the very first trailer for this game showcased someone pulling a Star Destroyer out of the sky and just hurling it down to to whatever planet they were on. Okay, really cool moment. Visuals look awesome. Uh, it's just everything about this was perfect. For some reason, guys, and Al, back me up on this if you dis if you or, or or if you disagree. The pulling down of the Star Destroyer is the worst part of this entire game. Like just just hands down, at least at least gameplay wise, because you're everything has led up to this moment. And Coda is telling you, pull that Star Destroyer out of the sky. And that's exactly what he sounds like. And <laughs> for some reason, the way that you have to do that is you have to stand this 
perfect little area on this balcony. Hold, um, hold the force grip button, and then position the analog sticks in a certain way. Now, I'm going to level with you, okay? I'm going to be completely and totally honest with you. That in itself would not be a would not be that bad of a sequence. I have no issues with that. We have dealt with QTEs the entirety of this game in basically every boss fight, and it brings what is our what is a good boss fight in my opinion to a screeching halt for a really cool like mini cutscene that honestly I would just rather watch. As a but it was it was the late it was the late two thousands. Uh, QTEs were kind of a big thing back then. Once once again, Al and I are old, so like we we remember these very very well. Um, Al, what what are your thoughts on QTEs, real quick? Um, yeah, well, I'm glad you brought it up. So one thing I do have to say about the gameplay, um, just kind of in general, is that like <clears throat> over the years, I have tried to start thinking about games and thinking about how we play games, um, not just in terms of like how I would be able to play them, but also just like how anybody is able to play them and QTEs are very much a product of their time. You don't see them a, a whole lot anymore. Um, they come up occasionally, but um, that is one of those things when you think about as far as like, um, as far as like accessibility options in games, um, there are people who love to play video games and, who love Star Wars, who just physically, for whatever the reason might be, cannot do QTEs. And um, for the majority of the, of the game, it's not a huge deal, because I did check, and you can kill each of the boss fights without doing the QTE. You just continue to hide them as usual until their health bar is gone. So <clears throat> it's okay in that it has that option at least. Uh, but as far as getting like all of like the the cool execution animations and things like that, and then of course when you get to pulling down the Star Destroyer, I mean like uh, there are just some things that some people who love video games just physically aren't able to do. And so playing this older game now um, you definitely wish that there had been some kind of option um, as far as accessibility goes to turn off the QTEs or to simplify them uh, or whatever it might be just so that it's a little bit easier um, on people who just don't have the physical dexterity to do those mm -hmm. but um that's like the big thing I wanted to say about the combat, just because this isn't an older game. It did come out, um, as Jacob said, it did come out at a time where like um, UTEs were all of their age. Anybody who's tried to go back and play the original Hot of War games knows that, um, <laughs> that QTEs can be a pain in the ass. But... Um, but um, yeah, however, speaking just from me and my experience of playing it and having um, having grown up and matured as somebody who did QTE events all the time, um, I didn't really experience any issue with it, but um, um, it's not unreasonable to believe that like it would be like a very 
difficult and challenging thing for other people. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm glad you brought the accessibility aspect of it because because you are right. There are there are some people who, for whatever reason, just cannot keep up with them. You know that well, and and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think we have made you know multiple just giant leaps in terms of of accessibility for for modern day gaming for multiple different gamers and i think i think that's wonderful um both the new xbox and the new uh uh um playstation 5 have their controllers are working on different ways to make them even more accessible for people and i think that's that's wonderful uh so yes i'm glad you brought that up um yeah i just i didn't really like them i and and it's and i I think it's it might be because I I hadn't done them in so long, and also for some reason I feel like these are very finicky, and it's the it I don't know if, if it was the way because I was streaming the game off of PlayStation Plus, so I don't know if there was something about my timing mm. my timing that was off that could be me, but. I but Ka, but I'll I'll admit it. Kazan Paratus whooped my ass for quite some time because <laughs> I could not figure out how to do a force push fast enough apparently um, on that little beam up top. But uh, you know that's just that that might just be on may. It is one hundred percent a possibility. I suck. I will readily admit that. Um, if you have watched any of my streams, it is a they are flashes of brilliance, and then the next. Five minutes, you will go. Has he picked up a controller before? So that is, I have very little middle ground. Um, but um, but no, I just I didn't really I didn't really care for it so much. And for the point down the Star Destroyer sequence, because it should be the best moment of the game. And the only reason that, in my opinion, it doesn't work because I don't I don't mind the analog stick thing i don't i don't mind controlling where the star destroyer moves i think that's actually kind of cool the problem is is that for some reason they decided to put in waves of tie fighters and i guess it's because it's like oh well obviously you know they're not going to they're not going to go down without a fight okay but how are the tie fighters going to see me like from from the distance that I, that star killer is standing like there's no way any of them were like well that guy's very clearly Pulling the Star Destroyer down, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. And it throws off the tempo of, of that scene, of that sequence. And I would have much preferred if like, instead, I had to take down all those TIE Fighters myself first, and then got to pull the Star Destroyer down, as opposed to pull down a little bit. Oh, okay. Now fight the TIE Fighters. Now pull down a little bit more. Oh, time to fight the TIE Fighters again. Because it is meant to, I guess it is meant to have like a challenge. Because I remember the first time I played it, on this it went a lot faster. I remember the first time I played it when I was fourteen, like that sequence took at least a solid ten minutes because I could not figure out. Because by the time I could figure out how to get in the how to get the starter story in the position it needed to be in, next thing I know, Tie Fighters are already coming at me, and I don't I don't know. It's just it's it's very clunky. And and I know that this is me once again complaining about a game that's 15 years old. Um, 
a game that in three years we'll be able to vote. You know, like that's I, I get that. Okay, I get that. I am I am probably being unfair here, but to me, if my first trailer for whatever I'm putting out, it centers on a on this piece of the sequence, then I'm going to make sure that that sequence is the best part of the game. Like I'm going, especially if it is literally the penultimate scene before the finale, like the penultimate moment. Because right after this, we have a, we have a we have a, a long cut scene where where Proxy knows all and uh, <laughs> uh, fights Darth Vader, and then we go to the Death Star, which leads to that part. The Death Star opening, in my opinion, is the hardest part of the game, and don't ask me really why. I I think it's meant to be this kind of thing where, all right, it's once again character action games of the 2000s. All right, we are testing every ability you have, okay? Which is great, that's fine. So yeah, you've got snipers, you've got the flying troops, you got an ATST coming at you. You've got a lot of stuff coming your way. You have to and you have to like Al was talking about uh earlier, you have to time out who you're taking out when and you know, prioritize your prioritize your targets. Um that is one of the that was, for some reason, the difficulty spike in that scene will never not um, throw me off. I don't know why. Because when I was 14 to when I was 28, um, both times, I died at least three times on just that opening sequence. Um, and I, I am not ashamed to admit it. Because it's it's just... <laughs> That's it. That's just, that's just where that's where my abilities as a gamer just stop for some reason at the opening of that level. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of want to rant about that. I like the Death Star level. I think the design's cool. Um, I like having to dodge the super laser. I think that's that, I think that's a, that adds it kind of an interesting kind of thematic scenes with it and everything. So I kind of like that. Um, but then you get to the Emperor's throne room, and you fight Vader. Or yeah, you fight Vader first before you enter the throne room, and so on and so forth. Um, the Vader fight is the moment that everyone goes, "Okay, Star Killer's too powerful. There's there's no way he'd be able to do any of this," and that's absolutely fair. Um, I mean, because as we saw in the Obi Wan Kenobi show just this past summer, I mean, if if Obi Wan Kenobi has to gather everything inside of him to to kind of have Vader at a stalemate, honestly. Like, not really beat him. Like, I'm not saying Obi-Wan does bad in the fight at the end, but, you know, let, let's face it, it takes a while for him to get there. Um, and this is from someone who loves Obi-Wan, not saying anything against him. But um, if it takes Obi-Wan that much to do that, and then Starkiller can literally just throw him around like a ragdoll, there's a problem. Which, I know, yeah, okay, it's part of the game, so on and so forth. But in my opinion, that scene right there is the reason that you would always have a difficulty of trying to bring Starkiller into canon if you did everything about his character the same way as you did in this um which we'll talk about here in just a little bit actually but um you do that fight you have to do the vader fight and then you have a choice where you can either go and kill vader or you can go and fight the emperor and save your friends if you kill vader you become the ultimate sith well the problem is and I have never had this issue for some reason. I guess I have hugged the rail the entire time, but I have recently heard because my I always thought from the way that scene is laid out that you have to jump across the railing, 
down to Vader to fight him. I have recently heard that no, it is more so you were on the platform that uh, Kylo Ren and Han Solo were on, and if you happen to lean too far to one side, you choose that side. Um, I was unaware of that. I I chose in this playthrough. I chose the Emperor, um, and I took him on um, because I wanted to be the light side, and I wanted to say I wanted to save my friends and everything. Um, even though I've formed very few connections with them, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but the Emperor fight. This, this game has recently told me I should care about them. So I guess. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the emperor fight. The biggest problem I have with the emperor fight. <laughs> all right, and and I I don't mind I don't mind the fact that it's he takes he takes he takes some hits and then he sends in royal guards to fight you. That's one hundred percent Palpatine. That makes sense. That's exactly what that should be. Honestly, okay. What I do mind is there is a moment where he pulls out. Four random ass giant, just boulders of electronics from presumably some IT uh, technician's uh, workstation, and he turns around and just goes, "Where the hell did everything I was working on go?" Um, and then he hurls them at you, and if you are not behind the these little panels at the bottom of the screen. The first one, the the first one that hits you, you will get hit by the next two. Because you can dodge one, but your dodge is not fast enough to where you can dodge all four of them. It's a really annoying mechanic of the fight. Um, I gotta be honest. Um, now once again, I will one hundred percent concede. Yes, it's two thousand eight game. I know. I just I feel if if we talked about this game and I didn't talk about how annoying that aspect of the boss fight was. Then, then yeah, I just I, I felt I felt as though it was necessary, because if I have a scene where I am literally hurling Darth Vader, <laughs> I am I am literally doing the scene from the end of the Punisher Netflix series with him up against a like a laser wall. That is that is what is happening, and for some reason, after I get done doing that, the moment that this electronic brick hits me, I'm just down for the count. I'm going to take all four of them to the face because I can't, because once I'm on the, once I fall to the ground as Starkiller, um, you know, that that's when I need to hit the life alert. Like, it, it, he, he, he can't get back up. He has no recovery. Um, so, yeah, so that, that part was annoying. That was, that was where some of the, uh, once again, if you're a stream, if you're a streaming fan, uh, that was where some of the DMC three uh, Jacob complaints came out. Um, but uh, you know, o overall, like it's 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 got some really good moments, and the earlier stages are really really cool. And when you have these moments where you have all these different troopers coming at you, and you are just demolishing them. That's when the game is at its best. Um, and most of the boss fights are really cool. But those last two, I just was not, I, I, I wasn't there for it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's, uh, that is understandable. Um, 
Josh, I feel like the final boss of Star Wars Force Unleashed rings very true to just like the industry standard final boss of a lot of games at the time, not all of them, but like a lot of them, we kind of hit a point in the industry around like 2007 to 2010 or so. Uh, maybe even a couple years after that to a lesser extent where um, I even recall there was like um, a um, an article from, I want to say Kotaku, but don't quote me on that. Um, that um, had the argument of just like, should video games abandon the concept of a boss fight? Um, and like, it made its rounds around the internet. And the only basis that that article had was really just that um, somewhere in that time period of a few years, we somehow forgot how to do good boss fights on the large because like uh that is not a problem like exclusive to force unleashed um by any means um everybody um any bioshock fans out there um um if you're very fond of the first game um which you should be because overall that game is great um to be favor and go back and play the final boss of bioshock one and tell me that it isn't just uh weird tonally inconsistent mess because it is like that a boss fight is horrible and kind of the same thing here where like it just kind of gets reduced to like it's kind of a boss fight and then there's a bunch of ads and then it turns into having to dodge a bunch of projectiles and so um it kind of keeps in step with that which is kind of a shame because up to that point i mean we've already talked about how how most of the boss fights in this game are like at least in Enjoyable. Then yeah. I not be like, um, like they don't like reinvent the wheel or anything. But like, for the most part, is just enjoyable to like. You have a lightsaber. The other person has a saber or like a sword. In the case of that Kungan that you fight, who's really talented for some reason. Um, but like, it's just the simple joy of like having like. Um, a duel, um, essentially. Um, and for some reason, they were just like, no, let's not do that with the Emperor, because the Emperor is weird, which I agree. He is weird. Um, but now, I do want to say, as far as quote-unquote choosing the final boss fight that you do, I had a weird um, experience with that, because I went into it, and I thought, okay, cool, um, I'll do the light side ending first and then i'll get back in and do the dark side ending um and so i take a step and i guess my thumb was just kind of like no al i know what i know the darkness that lies in your heart because i started to <laughs> because my star killer started to go to the right and was just like okay vader Let's do this. And I was just like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing the dark side ending first. All right. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and so and so I do that. Um which like if you had a problem with like how overpowered Star Killer for um, Star Killer felt the first time he fights Vader, 
uh, oh boy, the entire boss fight is set up to just like absolutely obliterate Darth Vader in phase two. Um, like it's like the easiest boss fight in the game. His like uh, they tune down his defensive stats. They tune down his attack um, damage that he does, and just uh, they make it a very very easy fight. Um, and so I was just like, okay, well that was weird, but all right. Um, and so I got back in, and I was just like, all right, it's time to do the light side now. And somehow it took me back to fight Vader a second time. And I was just like, no, no game. <laughs> this isn't what I want to do. Why are you like this? Uh, and so I had to back out again and reload and go back into <laughs> the boss fight. And the third time I got to do on the Palpatine fight, which felt good. Uh, I was just like, okay, here we go. But um, um, yeah, we get through all that. We get to the final cutscene, depending on the boss fight that you do. And you have... Um, a tale of two cities, right? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Because um, if you fight Palpatine, then Starkiller dies, sacrifices himself for his friends, and his friends are just like, well, I guess we should start uh, the rebellion now. Because of that... Um, <laughs> because of that clearly evil teenager who we knew for like three days... Uh, <laughs> he's inspired <laughs> me to start a rebellion, even though we just watched Emperor Palpatine absolutely murder him, but this is what's going to do it. <laughs> and then on the dark side ending um, is that um, kill Darth Vader, there is an explosion that happens, but this time Palpatine um employs all kinds of like new technology and cybernetics it basically turns you into a new Darth Vader um and you become um the Hith Hunter I believe is what it's called um which is where you get like the armor that's on the cover of the um of like of the dark side edition of the game or the ultimate Sith edition of the game, I'm sorry. Um, and that's where that comes from, which for any eagle-eyed viewers who watched Andor, um, a suspiciously similar armor set um, appears in the shop of that show in a few episodes. So isn't that fun? Um, I don't think it's really meant to mean anything. It was, it was kind of a fun detail. But... Uh, and then, of course, that leads us into uh, the TLC where um, the Hith Hunter goes and, like, uh, tracks down our beloved cast of characters um, and kills them in horribly, horribly brutal ways. Uh, I mean, that's what you got. So that brings us, having talked about um, a bit about the story, having talked about it on the gameplay a little bit, that brings us to our two prime questions that we discuss um, on every episode of the Star Wars EU re or EU review. And that is um, hypest moment and does this entry fit anywhere into our grand canon of various sources of Star Wars um, stories and material? 
Um, so we'll start um, in that order. So Jacob, please give me um, the moment from Star Wars Force Unleashed that felt the hypest to you or made you feel the hypest. So the moment that made me feel the hypest in this game um, was it's really early in the game. It's uh, it's when you're you're going after Ron Coda the first time. Um, but I knew it was coming because I'd already played this game before. And for some reason, there are certain moments that I remember really, really well. So I upgraded my force push as fast as I possibly could to get it all the way, all the way maxed out and everything to where it is just this, this ultimate force, uh, <laughs> pun intended. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> There are there oh, are you two, silly silly boy. I'm said the silly boy. There are two sequences where you are going down like this basically like a long like balcony and um tie fighters are going down the side and they are blasting everything in sight actually just uh, just the complete scorched earth tactics um because they're taking out militia, they're taking out stormtroopers, they're taking everybody. And if you time it right, there's an area with some crates where if you go and use your full force push, it will hit every single person and also send the crates flying into the TIE Fighters. And that one singular moment of gameplay was just everything I wanted. I I knew how to get it. I knew how to do it. And I was like, I need to do this again. And... I just I fell that that that's the moment I fall in love with this game. Those moments are the moments where I fall in love with this game. Um, you know all the all the nitpicks and, diff- and difficulties that I do have, and this is not like my favorite Star Wars game of all time by any means, but it does have fun moments, and it's moments like that that do make this worth playing and worth exploring for for anyone who is a fan who has never actually picked this one up. So yeah, that that is my hypest moment. Very nice, very nice. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, for me, there was a moment towards the end of this game where you are on um, the Death Star, and um, it's hyped to me because it felt really cool, and it's also hyped to me because it just like magnifies how absurd the story of this game is. Um, because there was a moment where I was in a room, I was fighting a whole bunch of dudes. Um, I killed everyone but one, and it was one of the guys with like um, the head packs. And um, I gave him a force hold or force grab, however you want to say it, and I moved him over to where. The laser of the Death Star would periodically shoot, and I held him suspended in air, and I began to force choke him. And um, your controller will start to vibrate as you get to the end of the person's um, hidden health stat um, whenever you're force choking them. So just as that, um, uh, just as that vibration started to take hold of my controller. I released that stormtrooper, and just as I released him, 
the laser of the Death Star fired and just obliterated. You don't get like a character bottle that falls down. You don't get like the the shadow of the stormtrooper that once was when that happens. Um, they're just gone. They're just completely gone. And I did that, and it's like a perfect. It's like a perfect example, a perfectly captured scene of like the total and utter power fantasy that is this game, right? It's the idea that fuels um, Star Wars The Force Unleashed, is that you're this just incredibly powerful Force user who is able to do anything he wants to against these enemies. And so it was super hype. It was very satisfying. And in the same breath, I was just like, why would Starkiller ever care about saving his friends? Like, <laughs> there's, it was one of those moments. Um, I often compare it to um, if you ever play uh, the Shadow of War games, um, the Lord of the Rings um, spinoff games where there's like a sequence I did once when I was playing that game where like I jumped down on an orc from stealth and like assassinated it. And then I spent, and then I sent out a spirit version of myself to assassinate the orc in front of me. And then I triggered an execution where like I cut off the arms and the head of this other orc beside me and to then cap it off and refill my health. I held out my hand and I force crushed a rat to gain health. And at the end of that sequence, I was just like, cool, let's go save Middle Earth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I'm a good person. It's exactly that sequence where, you know, you're just slaughtering people indiscriminately. You've killed members of the Jedi Council, who Starkiller never feels bad about doing, by the way. And then it comes to a head where you're just like force choking a stormtrooper, and then you give him just the smallest glimpse of hope that he'll escape, only to be obliterated by the Death Star that he himself was trying to defend from you. And then you're just like, "Cool, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get the the light side of the Force ending." And <laughs> it's just utterly absurd. Oh man! But it is a lot of fun, and that's what's important. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm with um, Trick of Go. Though this game is really, really fun. Um, it is very short, especially if like um, you've played a lot of character action games, so it goes by very quickly. But um, it's pretty cheap. I think on the Switch store, I got this for like. $12, I think, on Steam, if you have the right specs on your computer, it's mm. like 10 I yeah. think, on Steam. Something, so like, something like that. It's, it's not an expensive game, by any means. Yeah, so like, um, so like, if you really love Star Wars, if you really love games where it just lets you be as powerful as possible, then, like, this game is a lot of fun. It does have a lot of cool little nods to um, the greater lore uh, within the universe, but... Um, well, I mean, we'll hash it out right here. Uh, Jacob, does Star Wars The Force Unleashed, um, the first chapter of Starkiller's um, character journey, mm. uh, does this <laughs> does this earn a place in your grand canon of Star Wars events? 
there's no way. I mean, like I, I, I feel bad, but there, there is just no way. Um, cause especially cause like, <laughs> cause I had honestly forgot about the rebel Alliance being born from star killer. For some reason I kept thinking like, Oh yeah, they were already like planning something. And then that just kind of happened that way. no, the Rebel Alliance is born from Starkiller sacrifice, and I there there's no way it just doesn't work. Um, even in the old canon, it really didn't work because um, there wasn't a whole lot in between Episode three and four yet. But like, even still, and, and uh, yeah, it just it it, <laughs> it 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 cannot fit in my canon. Um, I especially with the likes of you know Rogue One and Andor and Bad Batch and Obi Wan Kenobi, everything else that's happened set in between you know or set during the dark times, um, you know those those have all been really good and this would cancel those out and that I I can't abide by that, um, especially considering Obi Wan Kenobi might be might be my favorite uh, non Mandalorian Disney Plus show. Um, so yeah, but, uh, one thing I will say, because some people have, have been like, well, we still want Starkiller back, which the more I played this, the more I kept thinking, I kept feeling more about him the way we, you and I both felt about Cal Kestis. Um, because, because I have heard people make the argument, well, you could bring Starkiller back, but you have to depower him a little bit. And my only thought is then what is the point of bringing him back? Um, like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be an ass here, but like, Starkiller is not really, he's not the most interesting protagonist we've ever had, or the most interesting Star Wars character we've ever had. Um, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to bring anyone from, from this game into canon, show me, uh, show me Rom Coda, the, the Jedi who didn't trust clones enough that he survived the purge because of it. Show me Kazdan Paradis just in general. Uh, <laughs> I mean, anything about him. Um, show me Shock T's like official ending. Like these are things that <laughs> these are all things that would actually be things that I would want that I'd be interested in seeing. But Star Killer, like if you want to do a secret, Vader has a secret apprentice storyline, and your and your and your entire focus is just well, we get to bring Hayden Christensen back, and we all love Hayden Christensen now, which. Fair, like I, I would, I have no issues with that, but there's no way that you could bring in the same, like the same style of character. I mean, if if you are trying to get the same kind of reaction that you want from this game, um, so yeah, I mean, I like I said, I'd be fine if they do like a Vader Secret Apprentice, but mm. it would have to depower him quite a bit, and also figure out how to add. Um, some more personality into him, which is re- which is also really weird because real quick, uh, some trivia for everyone. Um, Al, yeah, some yeah, some trivia. Al, how many actors and actresses from the clone of the from the Clone Wars uh, cartoon started in this game? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna. St- I'm going to say seven. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> you, you, you went big there. I like it. Just as a guess. I'm not sure there were seven <laughs> voice actors in this game, but I'm going to go with seven. Okay. So there are uh, there are four who are in this. Um, the most obvious one will, will always be D. Bradley Baker because that man is just everywhere. Um, for those of you who do not know, D. Bradley Baker is the voice of every clone in the Clone Wars. And in this, he is the... He has he does like backup vocals on this. He doesn't. I don't think he has like a, a lead role, if I remember correctly. Um, but then you also have Tom Kane, who uh, was the voice of Yoda, and was also the narrator uh, for the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And he is who does he play in this? I can't remember. He's somewhere in this. I know that. Um, the one that surprised me was um, Maris Brood. Adrian Williamson, I think, is her name. Uh, she is the voice of the of the Mortis sister uh, on the from the Mortis saga. Okay, it's the main one. Okay, is obviously Star Killer himself, Sam Witwer, who was the voice of Darth Maul, the Mortis son, and um, also filled in for the. Uh, for Palpatine in a couple of episodes, uh, there were about four different Palpatine uh, voice actors because the first one unfortunately passed away, and then uh, there was a point where it was Tim Curry, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, so what I was getting at though with that is Sam Witwer. If you ever like listen to his Darth Maul. Listen to everything about his Darth Maul and tell me you could not get that man to do something. Like, to to give him a script to work with, he's going to get you a solid performance. Um, I'm not certain, like, I've only seen him act, like, himself once, so I'm not certain if he would be great in, like, a live-action setting, but I know that if they give him a voice, like, a voice-acting role he is going to be solid um so it's weird to me that in this when there is a point early in the game when he first meets you know eclipse he goes we need to jump to narsha dock and you handle that and the anger he shows her for some reason, and, and I know it's probably just because you're supposed to just be like okay he's star killer he's an ass I get that but like it is so weird, um, and it's and I, I don't know. It's it's funny. It's it is a it is a an, a ironic like like an unintentionally funny moment for me every time. Um, but uh, but yeah, but but Sam Witwer is great. Uh, that and that's one thing about this game that you know for all its flaws, if it gave us nothing else, it gave us Sam Witwer because if he wasn't in this, I don't think he would have been Darth Maul, and. As we discussed in last month's podcast, Darth Maul is one hundred percent one of the be- one of the, I would say, if not top ten, at least top five best parts of the Clone Wars uh, series, in my opinion. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's kind of another kind of characteristic of games from this era is that is that voice acting in video games, in a lot of ways, was really starting to be a lot more consistent and really starting to hit its stride. Um, however, that also 
made examples from that era that were perhaps not representative of the voice actor's best work um, seem that much more like um, astonishing, I will say, because um, Sam whereas you said, um, um, fantastic voice actor. Uh, he loves Star Wars in general. He puts um, everything within himself into his roles. Um, this was like not representative of of his best work um, because, and I don't think it was all him. I think it was like a little bit was like the audio mixing um, going from like the action part of the game to cutscenes where like his voice seemed really low at times and then like it like spike up really quick in volume and things like that but um i mean there's just parts of this game that like just sound just hilarious that i don't think we're intended to um prime example is um <laughs> um is at sloan um as darth vader uh, great voice actor. When when Star Killer confronts Vader, and uh, it's just like, uh, and it's just like you t- you told me I'd have more time, and Matt Stone is just like, I lied. <laughs> that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I that, forgot about that one. That was taking the line, I have altered the deal, pray I do not alter it any further, and just going like, I think that's a great line, but let's like, let's cut that down to like two words. (laughs) And so you get Vader just going, I lied. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. It really is. (laughs) Oh, man. I completely forgot about that one until you said it. Oh. But um, yeah, I mean, at its core, the issue with the story in this game, um, among a lot of things, but like I really do think the main thing that's going wrong uh, with Starkiller specifically in Force Unleashed is that, um, you know, Starkiller has the unfortunate role of being the least interesting character in his game. Sure. Um, because you have the characters we all know and are just like at this point just like in awe of like you aren't going to have a protagonist who is more interesting than Earth Vader. You just won't. Um, and then you have like um, these other characters that come out. As we have talked about um, at length, I would like I came out of that last Elusia fight thinking like, wow, I feel like hey, this brood has like a way more interesting story to tell than Starkiller if you're going to go with like a dark, young Jedi. Like, I can't help but think that like she had a bit more to bring to the table as far as her story goes. Um, And so when you try to translate that into something like a grand canon that we have um, invented, uh, but even trying to bring it into the new canon, you have to fundamentally change something about who Starkiller is. Because he he is not interesting enough to be as s- s- significant 
as he is right now if you don't change anything about him right like he he sets all of the events in the star wars timeline <laughs> into ocean and like he has like the personality of like a hoggy flapjack he just does he's just he's just angry for no reason and then and then he gets kissed and he's just like i guess i care about people now um that's that is the character that is the character arc of star killer like that is where we're at cal Kestis has a more satisfying character arc than star killer does um and so and so when I think about ways to bring him into the new canon, because no, I'm the same way. He does not make the cut for me as is. I would almost, instead of trying to reinvent him and reinvent him into like this new, way more like interesting and charismatic character, I would almost rather them go the other way. And just lean in to him just being kind of a blank slate. And the way that I would personally do that is um, tell a brief story uh, wherever he's introduced. Um, I do not want a Force Unleashed TV show. Um, <laughs> please no. <laughs> but like, uh, wherever he's introduced, give a brief background look at he was the first apprentice that Vader attempted to train. Um, he tried to revolt against him and Palpatine, and then you go directly to um, the dark side ending of this game and just say that, no, he got his ass kicked by Vader and Palpatine and the Emperor was just like, you'll serve me in a new way and have him be some kind of in-between um, operative of the Empire. He's not he's not quite on the same level as Darth Vader, but he's like a step above the um, Inquisitors. Have him almost be like I'm a Black Ops Inquisitor and have him be a Sith Hunter. Um, as I've said, even though everybody thinks I'm insane, we've already seen this Sith under armor in Andor, so we know it exists. And just give him, <laughs> just give him a small, like three episode arc, um, in one of the equal shows where um, he tries uh, to track down one of the Jedi after the purge, and he's just a silent, intimidating, very strong uh, Sith Hunter. And, th and there you go. You have Star Killer and the new canon, which makes all of his fans happy for some reason. You can still <laughs> you can still allow him to be very, very strong. I don't think he should still be like a star destroyer out of the sky strong but but you can still have him be very um strong as a force user having been um, trained by darth vader and you give him an interesting story to be a part of without having to be interesting enough to carry the story himself i think that that would be kind of a reasonable way to bring him in, into the new canon um uh 
Because, like, me personally, I don't think Starkiller is that cool. But, wow, that's... His hunter armor is really, really cool. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. And it would make all of the fans happy. So that's kind of how I would um, approach that idea. Um, what do you think about that, Jacob? Yeah, he does get... Uh, the Sith armor needs to be used. I mean, somewhere, somehow, even... Even if they are, even if they just randomly are like, that was Sith armor used by Revan, or, or so, I, I don't know, something <laughs> crazy like that. Like, I, sure, whatever. But you're, you're, you're absolutely right. That Sith armor is too cool to not be, to not show up somewhere. Um, yeah. So, yes, I, I, I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. There you go. And you can have like this whole thing be like, it could even be in like season two of Obi-Wan uh, and just be like, you know, have um, an operative come to Darth Vader and just be like, um, Lord of Vader, I believe we have found Kenobi. Um, and Vader knows he can't go after Kenobi himself. And so he just like turns like slightly away from the camera and he's just like, send Star killer and all of the fans can just be like and and we can just be like yeah okay and there you go (laughs) and everybody's happy (laughs) that's 100 the noise that uh that we would all make (laughs) (laughs) it is it is is. our very good friend Ethan would just be like (laughs) yes and i (laughs) And I would just be like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, <why not?" laughs> Which would be a complete inverse of your all's personalities anyway. <laughs> In general, yeah. It'd be, it'd be great. And then and then have Starkiller jump out, attack Obi-Wan, stab him through the chest, but then realize it was proxy this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It writes itself, everybody. It really does. It absolutely does. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Well, y'all, I can't think of any better place to leave that off of than right there. <laughs> um, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, Jacob and I always have fun talking about um, I'm talking about the stories in Star Wars, even the ones that aren't very good. We still yeah. have fun talking about them. Uh, there are times where there, where those are the ones we enjoy the most. So there you go. Um, but um, yeah, and t- t- if you are huge Starkiller fans, if you think he's just the bee's knees, if you think he's he's just the droids' screws, then <laughs> uh, <laughs> then get on Instagram, holler at our posts. Um, and let us know why you think uh, the Star Killer is the best. Um, don't let us out here trying to elk your yum on your favorite EU character. Um, let us know why he's cool and why you want him in the new canon again. But um, all that to say, uh, thank you all again very much for hanging out with us. Um, we record an episode of, of the Star Wars EU or E-Review once a month, um, so keep an eye out for that. We have a ton more projects coming your way this year, and uh, the rest of us also have other projects we're doing that will be uh, popping up wherever 
you get your fandom correspondence on podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, whatever it might be. And I hope all of you have a wonderful day. And remember that, especially in terms of the Star Wars fandom, that fandom is for everyone. Uh, even those people who just like can't get enough of that Star Killer and Emperor Palpatine fight. Uh, yes, even you out there. Uh, so thank you very much, and we will hang out with you again next time.